Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie and we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode we are reading chapters 23 and 24? Yeah. 23 and 24 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So grab a drink and join us for this reminiscent journey. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Hannah. I hate Hi. us being apart. There's always a pause after we say hello. It's so weird. I don't like it. I miss touching you. Grace, get off me. We're back. Guess who's back? Be- oh, we always fucking sing that. I hate that. That's like my least favorite thing that we do. I know. <laughs> Remember that review we got that one time that was like, they, they repeat themselves so much. I think a part of us in our head is like, it's funny when we do a recurring bit, apart from it's not funny and nobody likes it. (laughs) We've got one joke, one joke. (laughs) Guys, oh my gosh, there are so many new Patreons to thank. It's insane. Hannah was hyping up how many there were as she was counting. And then she made me look at the list and I literally went, holy fuck. Yeah, like this where is. Where have a- you all come from? Yeah, please tell us where you've all come from. Yeah, and we're oh. actually serious because yeah. our reviews, listens, and patrons the past few weeks have gone insane, yeah. and we don't know why. So if it's for any particular reason, if you could let us know. <laughs> so we should probably jump straight into this list. A yes. huge, huge, huge thank you to ACR. Apart from, I just want to point out, their name wasn't ACR. It was AC, and then the character R was spelled backwards, which means it's a different alphabet. Uh, I don't know how to say that or where that alphabet is from. So if you would like a pronunciation correction, just shoot me a message on Patreon and I will do that for you, ACR. A huge welcome to Zoe. Big massive thank you to Hayley. A big thank you to a muggle from another London. A big chonky thank you to Alex. A humongous hello to Sebastian a sizable thank you to Lauren a stratospherically big thank you to Colin a girthy thank you to Sarah (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry Sarah (laughs) a thank you to the moon and back for Sasha a large thank you to Molly that's just pronouncing large differently it's it's loud. A loud thank you to Emily. A hefty thank you to Nikita. A super calid fragilisty XB Ali docious <laughs> thank you to Miri. And a mahusive thank you to Robin. A large baby sized thank you to Cameron as she's who, our original baby. Cameron is our original baby who has upgraded her Patreon pledge. So they are all new patrons who have come and joined us that means that they have access to the discord we are now chatting to them in person we discuss frivolous things and deep things but mostly we give people mean nicknames they have access to the bonus episodes like when me and charlie try to drunkenly put the name of every state on a blank map of the u.s it was so bad and some of them can now ask us questions at the end of the episode so thank you all to the wonderful new patrons and the link to our patreon patreon the link to our patreon (laughs) now will be in the description now charlie you have an announcement about the review we have decided that from now on we are only going to read one review each per episode this is because we're now getting such a volume of reviews that we can't keep up with it and though we 
100% we read every single one. Me and Hannah are constantly texting screenshots back and forward to each other whenever we get a new one. And we love them all. It's just for the sake of the length of these intros. We're just going to pick like two that are like quite special trusts each yeah. episode. So um, if you want your review read out, it now needs to be even more fabulous to become one of our favourites, basically. Yeah, not that we're pitting you against each other, but we are. Our first review readout goes to Deagless Diggle, who says that we are joyously cynical, other than the fact that they spend too much time in the beginning reading the reviews of their <laughs> own show. The podcast is great. There are no shortage of Harry Potter read-through podcasts, but had her charlie created one the best one simply by being themselves so if you guys want to go send your abuse at someone for the fact we're no longer reading out every review attack this person (laughs) or send them love if you're like thank god but also don't say we don't listen to constructive criticism i've turned out the intro music everyone if you haven't noticed (laughs) i didn't and i proof listen my <laughs> review favorite review thank you goes out to red drummer girl who says i am definitely one to get drunk and have an in-depth conversation about harry potter this podcast makes me feel like i'm listening to friends i'm also very proud of myself because i can finally tell charlie and hannah's voices apart i think took me <laughs> until about episode 31 well done because sometimes when I, i'm editing i can't i feel like we need to add to merch a badge that just says i can tell them apart or i can't, can't tell, them, tell apart. them apart that's so a you... great idea actually Let's yeah that. anyway what are we drinking today uh i went first last time what are you drinking oh charlie okay oh, no this is the yule ball episode i was oh. trying to go a little bit prom 16 year old themed and i found wkd breeze a wkd mixed cheeky <gasps> v cocktail i guessed it <laughs> it's really? not as it's not a straight wkd wkd it's a cheeky v but I, I still said wkd you did let's taste this i have never tasted one of these apparently it's meant to taste like vimto i don't know if i've had vimto what is vimto you've never had vimto what's vimto? it's like squash on drugs it's like the strongest squash sweetest thing ever and you used to get like sucky sweets of it that my mum would barely ever let me have because they were so full of sugar and e-numbers yeah that (laughs) tastes like vimto but also wkd your eyes went so wide i genuinely wkd tastes so nice and so does smirnoff ice and i missed the part of life where it so it was socially acceptable to drink them because i didn't start drinking at 14 unlike everyone else in the uk and that makes me sad because one day i just want to go to the pub and have a wkd because it's tasty but also i still want to have some friends <laughs> some self a shred of self-respect yeah charlie what are you drinking oh um so i forgot that i needed like another alcohol for this episode so i literally just raided the fridge so i'm drinking corona hey mm-hmm. so chapter 23 the yule ball yeah so you've made a gazillion fucking notes on this apparently it's my favorite chapter. it might be my favorite chapter of harry potter don't at me i have made probably more than the average notes but not okay. that not that many it's very long chapter as well so the christmas holidays start and ron decides the best tactic to find out who hermione is going to the yule ball with is to keep randomly asking her without her expecting it and i love this continuing trope in harry potter of ron being the only one that is bothered by things hermione does we had it in book three with the time turner we have it with this we see other instances of it and it's just ron not realizing what a crush 
is. But is it? Or is it him having... I mean, I do think it's him having a crush, but also we have to admit that the only person we're comparing this to is Harry, who is the least observant piece of shit in the world. Like, of course Ron comes off obsessed when Harry doesn't care about anyone aside from himself. Excuse me, have you read book six and his obsession with Draco Malfoy? True. (laughs) Maybe that's why it seems so strong in that book, because it's the first time he's ever been interested in anything. Yeah. But genuinely, actually. I mean, it's such like, I hate being like a typical man thing because I don't like to excuse poor men behavior by saying it's a man thing. But like, also, it is such a man thing. You know, when like, I don't know, like there's some drama going on at like, your boyfriend's work and he like comes home and like maybe you know something about it and you ask him more and he's like oh i don't know yeah or like, he's like or you're like oh what does xyz think about it and he's like i didn't ask them or why. like their mate are like having relationship problems and you're like oh how do they feel about it and they're like uh. you're like how do you what like yeah. <laughs> try harder please pay some attention and it's really annoying when it's like the gossip thing and you want the gossip and they just like it's over their heads yeah so ron notices that hermione's teeth look different and essentially the boys have only just noticed that when madame pomfrey shrunk hermione's teeth when draco malfoy cursed her she let madame pomfrey go further than her normal teeth so that they were kind of regular sized I have like some feelings about this. I'm really, really pleased that Hermione is taking control of her own appearance and feeling pride in herself because I think that's something that girls get really, really ducked on for. Like ducked, ducked, dumped. Oh, words. Girls can get the mick taken out of them basically for caring about their appearance. There's this thing, there's this trope of like, oh, it's cool not to care about how you look. And I think I definitely, we all at one point definitely fell into this. But it's like, it's cool not to care, but only if you're naturally perfect. A hundred percent, yeah. It's like you're either vain or like not cool for caring, but like at the same time, like you're held to a really high standard. Yeah. And like the thing is, it is absolutely cool and fair and great to take pride in your own appearance. As long as it doesn't become like the only thing you care about, there is absolutely... That's like a really good thing. And it's something that a lot of 14 year old, year old girls start to experience. So I'm really pleased like Hermione has taken this step for herself personally, literally just for her. But as president of the Large Front Teeth Club, I have to say I was always a little bit sad at this point in the books because I had always felt very kindred with Hermione because she had large front teeth and I have very large front teeth and she was able to fix hers and I am not able to fix mine. I genuinely have never, like, considered you a person to have large front teeth. Are you joking? No, seriously. I'm just surprised when you said that. I think when I smile, it's, like, the main... It's the main thing I look at. Um, I mean, some of it is a hangover from my teenage years when they were even more prominent before I got my brace. So, like, does... I don't know, because Hermione says about how her parents are dentists and wanted her to continue with her brace, but... Obviously, like, brace can do, like, a certain extent of, like, bringing the other teeth down and bringing those teeth up. But, like, they're not... If you've got really large front teeth, they're not gonna stop that, surely. You'll be surprised at how much of a difference it can make it look like just by bringing the other teeth forward and down. Because mine used to look a lot bigger because all my other teeth were shoved behind them, which obviously means you can only see the front ones. Yeah. I think the brace would have done some, but yeah, you're right. It would never change the length of the yeah. teeth, which is the key issue here. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad that her parents are going to be mad at her. Like, 
I, I get why though. That's their entire livelihood that her, the society she lives in erases the need for. Yeah. And that's kind of sad. I mean, it raises the need for a lot of muggle jobs. Yeah, it does. So Ron yells at some students whilst Harry gets a reply from Sirius off pig. See, this is why I say your notes are better. Mine's just like Ron yells at some students. But he does. He he was being a right arsehole. Harry keeps putting off the egg because he's a procrastination queen. Now it's Christmas Day. Dobby has brought Harry up a present, but Harry hasn't thought to bought Dobby buy Dobby a present, which I kind of get because they've only just reconnected. But also, do better, Harry. Yeah, I mean, I love that Harry wakes up with Dobby literally like staring <laughs> at him. Hi, <laughs> like terrifying. So I had some thoughts because I know that before we've discussed like why do wizards celebrate Christmas. Yeah, And I had some more thoughts on that. Oh, um, how exciting. Not to repeat ourselves. But like, you know, when in school, particularly like, I don't know, I think particularly primary school, when you used to like learn about like other cultures and sometimes you used to have like different country themed days and you would like each eat the food from that culture blah blah like how are you, you had talking french about day, french day but like less racist um, yeah i remember very clearly having a board that we did because we did a whole week on diwali yeah so like you used to it. like do things to like learn about other cultures and maybe this is kind of that i think it's partly two things i think that it's partly that there is such a large number of like muggle-born and like half-blood students Mm. that they keep christmas as a thing i mean obviously this is in real life this would be really problematic because you would have so many other cultures but in J.K. Rowling's version where everyone is like white atheists or like, I guess, white Christians, yeah. um, this applies. But they they celebrate Christmas for those muggle and half-blood students. And then I think also they celebrate it because they want to like, it's part of like muggle studies, I guess. It's teaching wizards about muggle holidays. And I think if you need to pass in like muggle society, you kind of need to know what Christmas is. Yeah, definitely. Especially in England where like, although obviously there are, so many different cultures in England who holidays we all know and we know when they're celebrated. Christmas is still an institution in like the way companies and the government are wrong, as in things shut down for Christmas. Mm. Things don't shut down for Eid, even though a huge percentage of British population is Muslim because Britain was originally christian it's kind of just rooted in yeah old things and a lot of people who celebrate christmas are secular and atheist in this country so yeah i also think it's just to do with uh the wizards blending into muggle society like since the statute of secrecy passed they've had to blend into the society and part of that is taking on the muggle society's established cultural celebrations yeah that and I just like to think about them having like a muggle day where they all racistly dress up as muggles, much like you did French Day. Yes. Do you know what I would like to hear about though? Obviously, we know that Hogwarts has set meal times, but there must be um, Muslim students at Hogwarts. So I would love to hear about like during Ramadan, extra food being put out after dark so yeah. that Muslim students could eat because they can't eat during the great hall hours. There would have to be two meals in the night. Yeah. That's, that's the kind cute. of shit I'd love to know about. Yeah. So Dobby gives Harry socks that he's been making with his wages in his free time, which is so cute, but then opens up the question, was Dobby measuring Harry's feet in his sleep? 
I don't think you need to measure feet. I think I you think... do if you're a house elf that has very tiny feet. You're not going to know how big a human's foot is. So you're no, gonna because have... Dobby wears human socks. Yes, but also, I don't know, you get like small, medium, large socks. Right, socks. I think sock sizes are bullshit because I swap socks with loads of people. I wear my brother's socks, I wear my dad's socks, I wear Neil's socks. They're all the fucking same size. They're definitely... It depends how much stretch the fabric has. If you have a fabric with not a lot of stretch, it makes Charlie, a difference. Charlie, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> Look, please let me have the headcanon of Dobby measuring Harry's feet in, in his sleep. We've been dunking on Ron a lot and I really want us to just pull out this moment where Ron gives Dobby his jumper and socks. Yeah. This is incredibly sweet considering Ron doesn't have much in life. The jumper and the socks are Ron's Christmas present. We have to remember that. Mrs. Weasley knits them a jumper, gives them baked food. Yeah. Like, I mean... I shouldn't say that like that is different from other student other Christmas presents that students will get that but that is Ron's present from his family and he gives that away and I just think it's incredible considering like in comparison how little Ron has to some other people how willing he is to give that to those who he sees as like needing it and wanting it more than him. Yeah, there's something that's joked about a lot online, which I think is just so fucking true, how the people with the least to give are always the most generous. And it's like the really like rich people that are always tight as hell. Yeah. And I think this is so true. You have Harry that's like hella rich and he's like, here, have my old disgusting pair of socks. And then Ron's like, have all my Christmas presents. Literally. It's and so Ron- cute. And Ron doesn't even think about it as giving it away. He's so happy to give it to Dobby. He wants Dobby to get joy out of it because he's he knows that Dobby will get more joy out of it than him. And I don't know, we dunk a lot on Ron in these chapters because Ron is an arsehole in these chapters. Yeah. So I just wanted to um, pull this out. The Dursleys have sent Harry a tissue, which why bother? Yeah. I really like a headcanon where the reason why they send Christmas presents is because Hedwig shows up on like December 24th every year and doesn't leave until they attach something to her leg. But like it's, isn't it one of his, no, it can't be his birthday. I swear there is one point in the books where it says that she pecked until they did or something. That was Ron and Hermione to get letters for Siri, for, uh, from Oh them. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like that. Because yeah, why would you, why would you bother and how would they do it unless Hedwig showed up? I guess, like, honestly, like, Hedwig's a babe. I bet she does. Yeah, she just sits. And I bet she doesn't peck them. She just sits there watching them until it but, creeps like, them out. How did they even work it out? She would have just, like, turned up and, like, just stuck her leg out. Like, how long did it take them to be, like, we tie something to it? Yeah. Because like, you, you, would, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know that was what she wanted or how to do it. Yeah. A mystery. There's- a mystery it's snowball fight time ron makes fun of hermione for needing three hours to get ready for the ball and i am not gonna lie to you i took five hours to get ready for my age 16 prom and nine hours to get ready for my age 18 nine to give you some context i did five people's makeup no five people's hair and four people's makeup oh no but that's yeah that's not you getting ready that's other people getting ready that's fine but I still counted it within the getting ready process. And then for my age 16 prom, I did two people's hair and one people's makeup. Wow. I did not do anyone else's makeup. I made the tragic mistake at 16 of going to a hairdresser <gasps> to get my hair done. You it didn't. Just, it, it was so... Have you not seen it? It was so bad. We have decided just for you guys 
to put up our prom photos on Instagram. <laughs> it was... Uh, I Bear in mind, I was, like, good at makeup for my age. Um, yeah. And I was so proud of my makeup at the time. But you have to remember that it was a different time. This was... I mean, YouTube was a thing, but, like, a lot less of a thing. And like, I mean... I- our age 16 prom is nearly 10 years ago charlie yeah but like i had my fringe i'm trying to find a photo for you yeah, um same. i had my fringe entirely off my face and i didn't film my brows in and i had the whitest like too white heavy coverage foundation for me but i didn't wear any blush or any contour or bronze so my face was just like the moon the actual moon but yeah i got my hair done at hairdressers and it was awful it was so bad i will so this was very in line with hermione for me i managed to time my braces coming off they came off two days before prom but guys we will be putting these photos up on our instagram because we just got to so anyway hermione's taking three hours to get ready which i think is a perfectly reasonable amount of time literally like 10 minutes before the ball the boys it definitely is i feel like three Three hours is like a good amount of night out time for getting ready because it gives you time to like, I don't know, let your moisturizer sink in and then let your primer sit and like take your time and enjoy it because getting ready is the best part of a night out. Getting ready is the best part. And what I found about being an adult is there are, I thought there would be more opportunities to get ready for things, but there isn't because a lot of things I do are after work. Yeah. So I can't get ready for them. I just have to like change in a bathroom and throw a bit more eyeliner on and that's no way near as fun. I know, like, that's why I like your house parties, because they're always, like, on a Saturday and you can properly, like, get ready for them. Like, start, like, really early. Like, but I don't know, I miss university because I miss the amount of house parties there were and having loads of time to get ready. And, like, me and my bestie then always used to literally listen to, like, it was either 80s or 60s music, always, um, or, like, a blend of the two. And, like, just drink and get ready. And it was the most fun. And then we used to go out and then literally just walk through the club and go stand in the smoking area because we didn't want to be in a club. And yep. those those were the best nights. We would usually order the taxi for midnight for uni. And the I didn't enjoy clubbing that much. But what I fucking love is getting ready in pre-drinks. Yeah, it, it's the best part. It's like, the best we don't, part. We don't do it enough. No, we should just get ready and have pre-drinks yeah all time (laughs) but also like we don't go out me and hannah don't go out with each other like we see (laughs) each other socially but like we don't i've never been on like a proper night out with you i feel like we've also had evenings though where we're like we could go out and then we're both fucking exhausted (laughs) yes like but the podcast is weirdly tiring talking this much yeah because that's the thing the time we usually wrap the podcast we've made jokes like oh we could go out now and we've basically pre-drunk but we are so tired when we wrap recording yeah but we do we at some point need to actually do a night out just because it's actually ridiculous that we haven't so Uh. ron's dress robes are very frilly and he's embarrassed and my heart does go out to him in this moment this sucks Oh, this sucks for him. And watching Harry wearing the nicest fucking dress robes and yeah. uh, my heart really goes out to him. And I know he acts horribly throughout the ball, but this was a really fucking bad start. And if this happened to me, I would be in a terrible mood. Yeah, and it's part of being a teenager, not being able to process your emotions properly, that he's like pissed off because of what he's wearing and he takes it out in like the wrong way, yeah. which is like just what you do as a teenager. A hundred percent. Like, fucking how I do that now a lot. <laughs> yeah, <same. laughs> and I'm grown. So, they go down into the entrance hall. 
Crumb and the Durmstrang lot enter, and Crumb is with a girl that Harry doesn't recognise. Oh, man. Harry it's... then realises this girl is Hermione, which... How different could she have looked? It's like when superheroes put glasses on and suddenly no one like... Hermione straightens her hair and suddenly no one recognises her. I know, it's crazy. I have a lot to say about this moment. Mm -hmm. This is one of my all-time favourite moments in the book. And I found it very, very integral to my youth. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this moment because I've heard a lot of different people's opinions on it. Because on one hand, it could be seen as incredibly tropey. The nerdy girl takes off her glasses yeah. and becomes beautiful. We have seen it in every rom-com. We, it's been, I mean, Pretty Woman. I mean, it, Pygmalion. It's been there hundreds of years. However, I think what's really, really integral to this moment and what makes it different from those tropes is that Hermione has made this choice herself. Hmm. So if we go backwards to like, Pygmalion. Eliza Doolittle is being made up by what's-his-face because he wants her to fit in with society. And that trope has continued. A lot of the time the girl is dressing up for the boy, you know? Or they're trying to impress the boy. Mm -hmm. Hermione, I believe, has made this choice for herself. And it's empowering because she's made this choice. I don't think she's dressing up to impress Crumb or to impress Ron, I think she's doing this because she's 15 and starting to become interested in making herself feel better using her looks. And that is really, really valid and something that happens to a lot of people, not just girls, in their teens. Uh, it's I think that's made clear from the teeth and I think that's why that is in there, that it's pride in her appearance coming from herself and not from an external source. Yeah, and I think that shows as well by the fact that she says it's too much effort to do it every day. So she just doesn't. She doesn't feel the pressure to do this. It's something that she enjoyed doing and was nice doing for a special occasion, but not something that she feels pressured to do every single day. Yeah, and I think that is like a difficult place to come to in today's society. Like there's a lot of pressure for women to look perfect all the time. And it's very, very difficult to come to a place of balance where you feel comfortable in yourself if you're not wearing makeup or doing your hair and also to feel pride and enjoyment when you do make yourself look more stereotypically pretty. Yeah. I think there's a bit of an issue in the tech where she has straightened her hair to become yep. more mm -hmm. typically beauty, mm -hmm. especially as we have talked about how Hermione could definitely be a person of colour. Um, yeah. That becomes a lot more problematic yeah. with the hair issue because, because we're demonising curly hair. Yeah, because like, I have this note because to me, when I'm getting ready for a night out or like some anything that I want to look especially nice for, I curl my hair. Mm. And obviously I know that it's something it's just about like what suits you and blah, blah, blah. But I think that like curly hair is so gorgeous. And I know like most people I know will curl their hair for like a special occasion. Like it's not something that is like ugly or bad. So this jumped out at me because I'm like, why is Hermione straight into her hair? That seems like, I guess well, maybe it's it could be- it's 90s. Yeah, I was about to say it could have been like off the time, but- it does seem also, a bit like, I don't know. I think when Hermione's it can be read that it's a race thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of interpretations and interpretations that JK has later on welcomed that Hermione could be a black woman. And yeah, it just seems really shitty to be like she made herself look nice by straightening her hair. Like, yeah, I mean, mm. Hermione's hair is described as frizzy, not curly. So there's like an argument of just like taming the 
but frizz you, rather but than the curl. You can tame the frizz without straightening it. Yeah, 100%. And like, curls are I, something that you have to learn to care for. Yes, 100%. And I think this moment isn't that bad if we view Hermione as a, a white woman. But I think if we add the connotation of the years of demonization of black women's hair for not being professional or not being... Oh, whatever else is... Th- there's terrible things. Yeah. Judgments made about black women's hair. I think that makes this moment a bit more... A lot more yeah, uncomfortable. For sure. I also think it's empowering because, like, Hermione knows it. Crumb has asked her out and he's never seen her like this before. He's asked yes. her out for what she looks like day to day. So she's not doing this for Crumb. She knows that Crumb's asked her. He's seen what she is. And... Yeah. I think, like, if Crumb had seen her all dressed up loads of times and then she would have felt like she had to, but... Yeah. I think that something that the whole, like, Crumb and Hermione thing has unfortunately instilled in me is the belief that men fall for you if you act completely disinterested in them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't true, but is, like, literally, like, systematically how I fuck up my love life every goddamn time. (laughs) This is how, this is where it stems from right here, this moment here, folks. This is, this is the moment. (laughs) I mean, this must feel great for Hermione, Pansy, and everyone else is literally staring at her in outright amazement and i just feel this moment it's the moment we all like dreamt of but that's the thing there's such a demonization about so many things to do with being a woman you're demonized if you don't care about your appearance you're demonized if you care too much about your appearance there Mm -hmm. is no right way to do it you are going to be told off so just fucking ignore everyone damned if you do damned if you don't don't. okay So, so should we talk about the age gap though Yes. So Crumb is either 17 or 18. And Hermione's 14? 15. She's the oldest in the year-ish. It's not an okay gap. It's, uh, so it's not even a gap for people our age. Like, no. It's nothing. But as soon as you cross that 16 barrier, mm-hmm. it, I find it extremely problematic. I mean... 16 could be seen as an arbitrary number but there is so much growing up and maturing between the ages of 13 and 18 that i find any real age gap quite uncomfortable yeah i i always think about it as would i at that age date someone that age like would i at 17 have dated a 15 no no like just no like 17 18 no like that's when you're like getting ready to go off to like university and like be kind of like not like an adult but like a starter adult i mean to be honest i still consider myself a starter adult but um yeah you're like that kind of like coming of age age and you are i mean not mature but quite mature and then you look at like a 14 15 year old they're a child yeah and although we've discussed that hermione is extremely emotionally mature possibly more emotionally mature than anyone else because the time turner and even if we discount that she's a very emotionally mature character (laughs) It's still just icky to me. Yeah. It it still makes me uncomfortable. And also, oh, it's, it sounds horrible to ask this, but there's a lot of girls Crumb's age. Why is he going for Hermione? Yeah, exactly. And like I and I say this and I, I really like Crumb as a character and I don't think that he's a bad person or a bad no. character. Um, I think that this was more down to like 
JK Rowling not thinking through her writing and caring more about just giving Hermione that moment than actually thinking about the logistics of it. Yeah. Um, Like, I don't think that Crumb is like a creepy or a bad character. And I like him and Hermione, but I just think the actual ages that are put in the book aren't right. Yeah, it would be yeah. a very different book if it did have actual like paedophilic undertones. Like, I don't think that 1718 to like 1415 is an okay age gap. That's a very concerning, toxic, inappropriate age gap. But I don't actually think that this relationship in the books is, it would be if it was real, but it's it's fictional and it's not meant that way. Yeah, it's not meant that way. So I think... I I kind of think when I analyze their relationship going forward I don't really want to bring it up anymore because I I I don't think it was ever meant in that way so I'd rather analyze other elements of it but in real yeah. life I mean in real life uh when I was in either lower 6 or upper 6 we were 17 a guy in my year started dating a 14 year old and the head teacher called them into a meeting to discuss the nature of their relationship i mean good which is good safeguarding well done yeah like totally but yeah i don't think that jk rowling meant it this way i don't think that it's meant to be a plot um i think that it was really like sloppy writing yeah i do the ball starts uh percy is there filling in for crouch uh after they eat they join padma and ron ron is doing a great job of being a dickhead and ignoring padma Parvati immediately goes off with a bow batons boy, which is fair enough because Harry is also being a dickhead. Hermione sits down. Ron immediately starts a fight. Oh, he accuses Crumb of using Hermione to yeah. either beat Harry or get closer in the tournament, which I don't think he even means. It, he's just jealous expressing his jealousy in a terrible way yeah hermione storms off and harry and ron then just walk around with each other all night yeah there's such so, losers there's like three different moments outside of the kind of main plot here that i want to talk about number one dumbledore references the room of requirement oh yes i wrote that down he says that what was it? He was like walking about and then he found a room full of chamber pots. Was that Yeah, it? he really needed a week. So that's quite a fun tidbit. And it, it implies is. that even Dumbledore, either he's playing dumb or he actually doesn't know about the room of requirement. Point two that I want to talk about is that Pavati is creeped out by Moody and says that his eye shouldn't be allowed, which I read this and I was like, damn bitch, good point. Yeah, like, because if he can his... see Harry's socks... So therefore he can see the girl's underwear. If, yeah, if he can see through an invisibility cloak that is a hallow, he can see through women's clothes. And it is creepy. And also I think that as like women, we have a really fucking good sense, like a sixth sense when it comes to creeps. Um, not all the time, obviously, but I think like how many times have you gotten like a vibe from someone and you know, yeah. and I think this is Parvati knowing like as women, we are like just brought up in a way where you have that sixth sense and you're yeah. cautious and you, you can tell creepy people from a mile away a lot of the time. And this is foreshadowing, but also yeah, huge safeguarding issue that I should not be allowed. I understand he needs an eye, but yeah. Not that eye. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm, like... I'm on Parvati's side here. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, we kind of get proven right because, like, although obviously there's nothing in the text ever to say that Barty Crouch Jr. was the kind of evil where he liked young children, like, that he still wasn't who he said he was and that still could have been a thing. 
Do you know yeah. what I mean? And um, like, if it's very obvious that he can see through things, like he's literally saying nice socks, Potter. If people know that, they're being made to feel extremely uncomfortable in their yeah. own school, which is meant to be a safe environment. Yeah. So my third point, and by far the most important, can you tell what it is? No. Ali Bashir is smuggling more <laughs> magic carpets. <laughs> yes, Ali Bashir. I never noticed this reoccurring character before, and now it's just ridiculous. But I he got mentioned, love... and I was so happy to get an update on him. Yeah, I want more updates on Ali Bashir. I really hope he like joined in the uh, like the the fight in the seventh book. Like, oh yeah, I'm just here for Ali Bashir. <laughs> Head canon Ali Bashir actually defeated Voldemort, but typically yeah. a white man took the credit. <laughs> Ali Bashir was the chosen one. (laughs) I just love him. He's like an entrepreneur and he's just trying to make a business for himself and he's being shot down for bullshit reasons. And as we've said, there is a gap in the market for a magic carpet that can carry multiple people. There is. And brooms are a muggle fucking object and so are carpets. So you can't say no to a carpet. It's clearly he is being the victim of racism. Clearly. Justice, justice for, for Ali, Ali Bashir. For... Wasn't this the hashtag item. last justice time? Justice for Ali Bashir. No, but this is, I'm convinced we used that before, so that might actually have to be merch. People are going to be like, people are going to see people wearing like Justice for Ali Bashir merch and be like, oh my God, is this like Coney? What is this? Like, what's yeah, this well, new campaign? Who's Ali... Do we need to help Ali Bashir? <sighs> Harry and Ron go outside because they're self-pitying losers who don't know how to enjoy themselves. Snape and Karkaroff are arguing about something getting clear clearer and clearer uh harry and ron overhear this but that's all we know they run into hagrid and madame maxine and they end up eavesdropping on them for some bullshit reason where ron doesn't want to walk past fleur delacour snogging someone there's a tiny mention of a beetle on a statue Mm. wonder what that could be hagrid starts talking about his childhood and says that maxine is another one and then reveals that he is half giant which it's like a revelation. Like the we as readers did not know this up until this point. Yeah, my note is that Ron freaks his nut about Hagrid being half giant. Maxine is super offended. She storms off yelling. And Ron explains that this is really, really bad in the wizarding world. I got really sad at this point because this is an amazing instance of JK of characters we love being from marginalized groups and therefore the young characters aren't prejudiced against them because they've already learned to love them. And J.K. Rowling is using this as a way to teach children to not be judgmental about pre-stereotypes. And... Oh, the irony. uh, The irony. Like, I literally read this and got so upset about the statement she'd made because I could not believe the same person Hmm. who'd written in Hagrid and his half-giant backstory could say what she said in the last few weeks. Like... I just don't understand how you can come from the same place when literally you could replace the Hagrid storyline with a trans storyline to kind of have the same meaning. It's all about marginalized groups. Yeah. It's, in my opinion, JK Rowling has slipped into an area of the internet where she has been radicalized and has now surrounded herself only with that information i don't think the level of passion and hatred that she has because like here's the thing like you can like not agree with being trans 
it makes you a really shit person and I disagree with you but you you can do that and keep it to yourself that's like a thing that people do it's not right but but that's not what she's doing she is so actively and loudly and passionately talking about this and with the knowledge that she is affecting like a huge amount of people that are fans of hers that you know people that will be radicalized by her people that have grown up with harry potter as a comfort a place where they feel accepted because they are trans and she is negatively affecting them like it's not normal behavior like she has been radicalized by someone or some group like this is not a normal level of hatred this is like concerning like i i feel concerned for her that's not this is not me excusing it it's not okay that goes without saying this is me explaining my kind of theory on it and i think that she's disgusting and it tears me apart that the person that wrote harry potter that whilst problematic in some areas is also fucking incredible and teaches so many lessons around love and tolerance and and has shaped me to be the tolerant person i am today and it just can't compute for me that this is the same person it's just so many levels of shocking and disappointing and disgusting and if i as a cis woman feel feel this way i just my heart honestly bleeds for any trans members members of the harry potter fandom because i just can't imagine the level of pain that you must feel and i just want to give you all a hug when covid is over yeah a hundred percent and like the level of upset i felt when reading this passage i can totally understand why people feel they can never pick up the books again because it's so tragic to me reading this passage now and the problem is people we uh, and we will continue to say as much as possible that harry potter book should be about you as the fans owning them we as a community have made harry potter what it is today we don't need the author but at the end of the day she has colored my view of this passage with her later announcements and i will now always feel sad reading this passage Mm mm-hmm and that makes me so fucking angry because I don't want to feel sad reading this passage. Yeah. And it also, like, there are, there's so many incredible things and incredible people in my life because of Harry Potter. Like, you know, this podcast being in my life is, you know, it's one of the best things I've ever done. And even our friendship, we wouldn't be as strong of friends now if we hadn't have had Harry Potter to bond about. Because although we just naturally get along and are similar anyway, you have to have that one thing to really get the conversation going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and these aren't the only examples these are one, the ones that are relevant here like it it makes me really sad to see any of this get like tainted by it and it's also like quite a conflicting thing as someone who like this is like our hobby that we love and also like a hobby that we make a tiny little bit of money from and it feels very like conflicting right now to kind I guess like be promoting Harry Potter yeah um And I mean, the one thing I take comfort in is that I think that anyone that loves Harry Potter to the degree of listening to our podcast already owns the books and owns the films. So it doesn't, you know, it's not like they're still coming out now and we're kind of selling them. And also like JK Rowling has so much money that you can't fucking make a difference now anyway. But it does feel like really weirdly like conflicting to be in a position of like, promoting something yeah when she has those opinions I, d- I don't know like what are your thoughts on it are you asking me or the listeners you oh but also, also the, listeners. the listeners but also like it please no one be like yeah i think you should stop stop <laughs> yeah because i've seen fortunately i've been on twitter the last few- and i've seen some people 
it's time we give up Harry Potter. Let's move on. Number one for one of their points is read books by, you know, trans authors and other minority groups. Yes, please do that. Let's you can read all. more than one book, though. It's really simplistic to say, just move on. Let's forget about Harry Potter. When it isn't just a book, it's shaped the lives of so many people. But you're right, it does feel really conflicting because at the end of the day, to be really, really candid with you guys, us doing this podcast makes people read the books, watch the films, possibly buy merch. And all of that goes to lining JK Rowling's pocket, which at one point in my life, I felt comfortable with because JK Rowling was a huge supporter of so many charities that I also believed in. And she still does that. And this is what's also really conflicting. Although I kind of hate JK Rowling and no longer want to line her pocket, some of the charities that she has set up and founded are really, really important to me, like her MS charity, part half of the funding and research that's done into it is to do with dementia and Alzheimer's. She's one of the leading foundations and charities that do that, which is a, a, something that's really, really important to me personally. So it's this kind of whole confusing thing. I don't think there's a right answer, but if, if us doing this podcast makes one person smile, and makes one person feel better about their day and cheers one person up, then it is worth doing. Yeah. And I, I also think that if the fans of Harry Potter that are on the right side of this argument all shut up and stop talking and stop acknowledging Harry Potter, then we'll only be left with the Harry Potter fans and, I don't know, the JK Rowling followers that agree with her opinions. I think that it's our duty as fans to speak up, whether you're a fan that's got one Twitter follower or or you're like me and Hannah that have our kind of tiny little audiences that we have a platform and we can use this platform and, yeah, we're talking about Harry Potter, but we're also speaking up and countering JK and I think that that's really important because we can't just let her like spew this hatred without being like, hold up, you're not correct. Because if she is the only voice out there, then people have no choice but to listen to her and no choice, you know, nowhere to find the other information. Like we will list resources in the description of this podcast and we'll also share our own opinions. And that's, we're countering her. Whereas if we didn't have this platform, we couldn't do that I, I don't know this is such a tangent but it I, is I wanted tangent. to acknowledge it yeah that so that a was a huge tangent and my next note is um just giant plus human sex dot 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 question mark I amazingly didn't write any notes on this because I just can't no I don't want to unpack mm. but then I started thinking about giant and human sex but also I'm gonna go very quiet now because I'm in my parents house um <laughs> this is like a real fetish this is a real thing there's men that love like giantess women and they like watch like turn off now if you're young but like watch like porn of like edited large women like crushing small men and stuff okay that way round i wasn't that uncomfortable with it's when hagrid was like did you get it from your mum or your dad when i was like a giant man and a normal woman I don't see how that would... Yeah, that's worse. How would... Because surely the I... penis is as I... in proportion to the giant... I had always thought about it the other way around because of Hagrid and it was his mum, but now now you... Now you... And, that would, and that would be fine if all half-giants were like that, but Hagrid is like, is it your mum or is it your uh... dad? And I was like, oh, no, wait, You what? mean that's an option? <laughs> 
how? And how is it an option? Because Um, if giants are 20 foot tall, then that would mean penis is at least three times as large. I mean, JK talks about his hands being the size of um, dustbin lids. And Hagrid is half giants. That's not maths that I want to do. So now we've all um, disturbed you with that thought. Have fun thinking about that. It's the end of the ball and Cedric corners Harry. (laughs) He tells Harry to take a bath. (laughs) I'm not lingering on it. He tells Harry to take a bath with the egg and gives him the password to the prefect bathroom. This is such a dick move. It is. He's trying to be nice, but he goes about it like a dick. Just fucking tell Harry. Yeah, Harry straight up told you. Why are you being so cryptic? Like, have you not met Harry? He is not very smart. He will not work <laughs> this out. It's just like, so I don't back- know, like, he told him. So just tell him. Back in the common room, Ron and Hermione are having a blazing row. Hermione is screaming that she shouldn't have been asked as a last resort if Ron's so bothered. And Harry, at this point, realises that Hermione is right and that Ron is jealous, essentially, Mm. and Ron is still in denial about this. But I really like that throughout the books, Harry is so unobservant. He, at this point, confirms in the books that Hermione is right. And and basically, Hermione is saying Ron is jealous. Harry does not acknowledge that these two have a crush on each other again until book six. He does not internally monologue this no. at all. And, and I don't understand how or why. It's so weird. It's like, it must at some point be bad writing because it's just not human to just not think about your two best friends when they're kind of like, well, they won't they like. And yeah. then when he does start to think about it, he's just like thinking about it in terms of like this is really inconvenient for him and he wishes (laughs) that they would just sort it out and you're just like how do you not like think about this or like have opinions about it like and like if if i was in a trio friendship and two of the people started liking each other it would consume most of my thinking yeah i know harry's got a lot on his plate with you know like multiple people trying to murder him but he just doesn't seem to care about this. He doesn't. And and he should, because if they dated and it didn't work out, that like has a lot of like implications for him. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he doesn't think about that till book six. And in book six, he's like, he'd been thinking this could happen for a while. And I'm like, but you haven't. But have you? Because we haven't heard of that and we're inside your fucking head. Yeah. And like, obviously we also don't hear the parts of Harry's commentary where he's like, Harry realised he needed a poo. I but knew like, you were going to say a poo. <laughs> but like, that's not relevant to the plot. But like, H- Hermione and Ron is. Chapter 24, Rita Skeeter's Scoop. It's Boxing Day. Ron and Hermione speaking to each other, but really formally. Harry is refusing to take Cedric's hint, partly because of your reasoning that Cedric is a bit mean for not telling him the whole yeah. thing, but mostly because he's like... Cedric wants to make me look stupid so that Cho will like him even more. Which is just not how people operate, Harry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but gorgeous Cedric Diggory, gorgeous older, smart, handsome Cedric Diggory does not need to make you look dumb. No. You do that by yourself. I don't think Cedric considers you competition to Cho in the slightest, Harry. No. But if that is what helps you sleep at night, my darling. They go into care of magical creatures, but Hagrid is not there. But we get the first introduction of Professor Grubbly Grubbly Plank, who is my favourite side character of these books. But also, Grubbly Plank. It's the most ridiculous name I've ever heard. That's not a name. And, like, I just... 
is it is it like her mum was called Grubbly and her dad was called Plank? Yeah, or maybe like Plank is actually her last name and she thinks it's really shit, so she's refers to her first uh, like her first name is Grubbly and her last name is Plank, but she doesn't like Plank, so she's like, call me Professor Grubbly Plank. No, we find out her first name at some point. Maybe it's, it's like, her middle name. It's like Winifred or something. What if she's like Winifred, middle name Grubbly, last name Plank? But out and of then... all the characters we get introduced to, who me and Charlie theorize are wonderful lesbians, um, Grubbly Plank is the most. Oh yeah, um, confirmed. Confirmed lesbian of yeah. the lesbians. I think there's a lovely relationship between Grubbly Plank, Professor Sprout, and Madam Hooch. I'm not sure how it works. I'm not going to oh, delve yeah. into it. They're in a but I think I think they have a lovely little cottage together where they grow vegetables. I think it's lovely. Yes, they definitely do. Also. Do you think when Professor Grubbly Plank is doing her other side job of being a secret agent, she has to introduce herself like, it's Plank, Grubbly Plank. <laughs> what does Grubbly Plank do normally when I she's not know. filling in for Hagrid? Because you think like work as a substitute teacher for Hogwarts cannot be that common. I like to think she like is a freelance care of magical creatures person as if someone finds like the RSPCA. Oh, there's an injured unicorn. Cool, Professor Grubbly. Cool, Grubbly Plank. I just can't get over the name. Like a vet. She's like a vet, like a roaming vet, like a freelance vet. <laughs> so also in their cottage full of growing vegetables, there's also a backyard where there's just hundreds of pets. Yes. Could someone draw this for us? I, I want a drawing of I a cottage. <laughs> Grubbly Plank, Hooch and Sprout. I want a vegetable patch, and I want all the animals they own. And can it be real so that I can go and become part of this? Oh my god, it what if it's a lesbian commune? <gasps> I love lesbian communes. Oh my god. <laughs> it definitely is a lesbian commune. This sounds someone draw us the lesbian commune. I just this out just sounds better than actual life and society. Fictional lesbian commune that we have come up with, which isn't even textually in these books. Yeah. Grubbly <laughs> Plank, our queen, has got a unicorn to show them. Apparently, these unicorn, fully grown unicorns prefer women. I, I, I can't be bothered to delve into this, so fine. It's because they're lesbians. Fine. Yeah. They're Lesbian also on unicorns. the commune. Malfoy shows Harry a newspaper clipping. It's about Hagrid being half giant, written by Rita Skeeter. And Rita Skeeter has not only announced this to the world, she has uncovered Hagrid's mother's identity and announced that in a newspaper. She might be an unethical journalist, but she's a very good investigative investigative journalist. Journalist, yeah. Like that. Yeah, I don't know. How do you work that out? I don't know. She accesses birth certificate, broke in somewhere. Yeah, I mean, good for her digging, bad for her everything else. Yeah, <laughs> you terrible person. Yeah. Um, so Hagrid's ignoring them all and won't answer the door which is really sad but also like why don't they just send like a letter down just to be like we don't hate you. Harry decides to lie to Ron Hermione and say he's quite close to working out the clue in the egg. Why on earth do they believe him? He talks through everything with these yeah. two. I truly believe Harry sits there and he's like should I take a shit? I don't know Ron Hermione what do yeah. you think? So or, like, I don't know why for a second they would believe him. Yeah or like just ask more questions because like he tells Hermione that he like thinks he's got it and Hermione's just like okay but like Hermione is inquisitive. She would be like oh so what is it? Yeah. Like not even in an accusational way but in like a curious way. Yeah, she'd be like, oh my god, really? Tell me about it. 
Yeah, it doesn't add up. They go down to Hogsmeade. Bagman is in the pub and Hermione complains that he's never in his office. Hermione, it's a Saturday. Although Bagman might never be in his office, he doesn't have to be there today and shouldn't be. So please leave the man alone. Yeah, and also like, how do you know, bitch? How often do you see him? Like, you do not see him that often. You've seen him twice, mostly on weekends. Do you think people who have jobs live in the office? Because we try not to. (laughs) Oh God, she's definitely going to be one of those annoying people when she grows up that makes everyone in the office feel bad by being like, oh, so I just popped in over the weekend for like a few hours work, you know, just because I'm really busy. And you're like, shut the fuck up. Nobody fucking cares. That's your fucking choice, mate. Bagman is with some goblins. He reveals that Crouch has stopped coming to work for weeks which is a nice little hint of something going on mm-hmm. he then offers help to help harry with the egg and then he leaves because harry says no hermione talks about for a moment how goblins are perfectly capable of dealing with wizards she's basically because ron makes a joke about her like helping out goblins like she's trying to with elves which might be true but hermione seems to be ignoring the fact that it's confirmed in the books that goblins are not allowed to carry wands by wizards that's wizard law that goblins aren't allowed to carry wands even though they want to which is still a huge restriction on their rights why are wands a wizard only thing i don't know it's really i mean the the power structures here are just out of control yeah uh rita skeeter arrives because of course she does and she's just talking to herself. She just walks into the pub, just having a conversation with, well, obviously with like no, the... her photographer. Is she? Yeah, oh, no, her she photographer. No, her photographer Bozo is with her. But she's not really having a conversation with him. She's kind of just talking to herself out loud. Well, she's kind of giving him... Inst- she, yeah, she's kind of like monologuing, like, oh, I need to follow up on this, but kind of to him. Just being self-centered harry picks a fight with her which is fair enough but also dumb stop provoking her like i don't mean to victim blame but harry like stop it this is not smart well it's not smart but also she needs taking down a peg because of hagrid she does hermione is the one to completely lose her shit stands up and calls her a horrible woman and skeeter then says she has dirt on bagman and then calls Hermione a silly little girl. Hermione then goes into full rage mode, storms out the pub and is like, I'm going to get her back. I will do everything in my power. She can't stop me. I love her. I we love, love a self-motivated it. queen. Do it. Go for it. They run to Hagrid's and <laughs> they start banging and screaming on the door, which Dumbledore then opens, which why the fuck wasn't this in the film? This sounds hilarious. So then Dumbledore is trying to talk Hagrid around with the help of the trio. He mentions his brother Alberforth doing inappropriate spells <laughs> on a goat. What does that mean? I mean, I did warn you that we were going to have to have another conversation about fairies in this episode because this He doesn't is... say he's dressing up as a goat. I think he's doing something sexual to the goat. Exactly. It, but exactly. Like, he, he's a fairy. He he wants to have sex with the, the goat. I didn't think fairies wanted to have sex with dogs. I thought they wanted people to have sex with them as dogs. Like, it's both. Like, they dress up as animals to have sex with other animals. He says that he, it says he did inappropriate spells on a goat. And this is brought up 
multiple times and then made a joke of when we meet Aberforth. It, which is just so weird. And like, what the fuck is happening here? And why I, is Dumbledore like spreading this rumour? It's it's just so odd. I find the entire relationship between Dumbledore and Aberforth odd. And the way that Aberforth is just kind of treated as... Goat man. Uh, I don't even know. We'll have to d- delve into it like later on in the books, but... Yeah. There's so, some weird undertones to it. So Neil recently obviously reread this book in preparation for him joining in with this book. Neil was reading this bit in bed next to me and turned around and he was like, what the fuck is with the goat thing? <laughs> Why is this in a children's book? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird and it's just it's glossed over. So weird. But also Dumbledore says very profound things, like one of my favourite lines. If you are holding out for universal popularity, I'm afraid you'll be in this cabin for a very long time. Which is a great quote because you can never be liked by everyone. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently Aberforth can't read, which I highly doubt because he went to Hogwarts. So yeah. fuck off, Dumbledore. This is what I mean about the weird undertones of him just being this like uneducated, weird goat shagging, isolate. Like it's, I don't know what JK Rowling is getting at. I don't think I have enough context to unravel this, but it's just like uncomfortable. Hagrid then talks about his childhood and again there's a monologue which made me really upset because he talks about accepting himself not being ashamed of who you are mm-hmm. I'll painful. just leave that there yeah and then Hagrid says he wants Harry to win the tournament and that is the end of that chapter what did I you think I fucking love the Yule Ball chapter yeah I mean that chapter was fine yeah I quite like it because it's got good messages in it. I mean, obviously yeah. now you read them and you're just like, how? <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a long one. It was. We hope you enjoyed us waffling. Anyway, I'm very tired and almost slurring my words and Charlie is keeping her parents up. So we must, we, we must dash. We must. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Veronica, Sandra, Samuel, Redbeard, Mutalib, Katie, Nathan and Amanda. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content and our discord thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one bye